Why don't we welcome those who are watching online, maybe from a different state, maybe they couldn't be with us today. Welcome, give it up for them, come on, wherever you're watching. It always blows my mind, y'all. We're in Westfield, Indiana, and it's so cool to see people watching from different states, people following up from different countries. It is much bigger than us, amen? Much bigger than us in the room. We are for the one here, and we are in a series called Priorities. We are closing this series Today, why don't we look at the word of the Lord that we have, Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness, the kingdom of God on the move. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Just turn to your neighbor and tell him he cares for them. He cares for them. The heart of the Father in this text, verse 37. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful. It is harvest season, but the workers are few. What this text is saying is people are ready to hear the gospel, whether you believe it or not. They're hungry. They're searching for truth. They're looking for meaning. They're looking for belonging. They're looking for purpose. And the harvest is plentiful. The harvest is ripe. But the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Would you bow your head with me? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the word this morning. Lord, I just thank you that your word is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. Lord, it's able to speak to our very situation at this time, at this moment, at this point in history. And Holy Spirit, we know that you're with us, but we pray now as we hear the word, Lord, I pray that you would speak to us. Hide me behind the cross. Let it be glorifying and honoring to one name, the name of Jesus Christ, and let us be eternally transformed here and now in the resurrecting name of Jesus. All God's people said, amen and amen. The title of today's message is Back to the Roots. And uh, I love that. Yeah, let's go. Come on, somebody. It's funny, you know, like when we first launched, you know, you, you got to like, create that culture of call and response. Now we're like a year and a half in. I, I say the title of the sermon, you're like, yeah, let's go. And that's, that's when you know we are, we are excited. I want to tell you a quick story. I want to fast or rewind all the way back to, this would have been 2013, 2014, okay? And I was a student at Westfield High School. Now, you know, you had to make some money in the summertime, you know, being a basketball player. So I had a little mowing business, me and my buddy, uh, Ty, we called it ATO Lawn Care. Don't you want to buy from that lawn care? Right? You want to? Okay. We had like four or five yards, and it was just in two neighborhoods, all right? So don't get too excited. But to bring you into my life in this moment, I had just surrendered my life to Jesus. 2013, 2014. We're coming up on around 10 years or so. I grew up in church. My family raised me in church, but between, you know, the time where I, I got baptized as a little eight-year-old or ten-year-old, all the way to my senior year of high school, I was living one foot in for God and one foot out. That my Instagram bio would say that I'm a believer, but behind closed doors, I wasn't living for Jesus, and I'm mowing these yards, and around that time, I fully surrendered my life to Jesus. I said, you know what? I'm done with just being a cultural Christian. I don't want to go through the motions anymore. I don't want to just go to church to feel better about myself, to check it off the list, and Really quickly, right after I got saved and I actually got baptized a second time, I don't even think I needed to be, but I made that decision and 
this lady prophesied over me. She said, Andy, you're called to be an evangelist. Now, when I heard that, I'm like, what does that really mean? What does that entail for my life? And I remember mowing these yards. And I, I went to school at Westfield right down the street. And, and I remember mowing yards, just tasting the joy of the Lord for the very first time. Like, go back to that moment when you first really had those true encounters with Christ and you tasted the joy of the Lord. You tasted and saw that the Lord was good. You sensed the freedom of being fully surrendered. And I get in my Honda Pilot and I park and I start mowing these yards. And I kid you not, I remember it clear as day, I would begin to weep before the Lord over this city. I would have faces and names of classmates, basketball teammates, teachers, coaches. Like, I thought I was weird in the moment. Can I be honest with you all? I'm even in college. And these faces and these names and these families. I'm like, am I just one of those people that's caught up in the old days? Like, but little did I know that God was planting a seed then that would come full circle to plant a church in my hometown, right? Why do I share this story? God put a heart, he put his heart in me for this city. I'm committed to this city. I'm in this for the long haul. I want to see Westfield turn upside down for Jesus' name. And I've been praying and I've been thinking and I know some of y'all, you're not from Westfield, maybe you're from the broader Hamilton County area, maybe you just moved here from another state. Wherever you're at, I just wanna tell you this, that God put it in my heart, it's the right time to make this announcement that we are launching one youth in the name of Jesus. We are launching a youth ministry right here through one church and I have been hanging on to this. I've been hanging on to this and I feel like I was acting weird around all of you guys this morning because I'm like, I can't let them know that I know this but they don't know yet. You ever like meet someone that's like, they, they have a surprise they're keeping from you and like you can see it all over their face. I feel like I can take a deep breath now. But I believe that the Lord is going to change generations through the launch of this youth ministry. I want to invite you all Sunday, October 8th. We can put up this graphic. We are in about 15 months going to the YMCA. They're supposed to break ground soon. They're finishing their fundraising. Just did it a community breakfast with the Y. Just, I think it was last week or the week before. We are so excited. But we can't go into this YMCA without a thriving, booming youth ministry. I believe that the Lord said, now is the time. Now is the time to share this news. I'm so excited. We have plans that we want to share with you all. I would actually invite you to Sunday, October 8th, wherever you're at. If you're on the Dream Team or not, this is going to be a vision night where we look at the next 15, 16 months, and I want to introduce who our youth pastor will be that night. In Jesus' name. Anybody else excited for what God is doing on the move? So I want to share some steps. What, what does this mean? What does this text say to even right here, right now in Westfield and much broader and beyond? I want to share with you three points. The first one is this. We need to begin to see people through God's eyes. See them through the Lord's eyes. Look at Matthew 9.35. Jesus went through, he went what? He went through all the towns and villages. He didn't wait for people to come to him. He went to them. Got out of his comfort zone. Got out of his rhythm, his routine to be for 
the one. He went through all the towns and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. And whether we're talking about Gen Z, whether we're talking about anyone, a millennial, a boomer, it doesn't matter. You know, I had someone say this to me a few weeks ago. This is just a funny side note. They pulled me aside after service and they said, Andy, they said, you dress Gen Z, but you talk millennial. What does that mean? I don't know. Anybody else? Okay. I thought that was funny. Now you're analyzing the outfit and what he usually says. Okay, I can see. Regardless of the generation that you're from, this is the question that especially I'd say Gen Z is asking is this, where do I belong? And what does it look like to create a place where people can belong before they believe? That they can be welcomed in with arms wide open. Where do I belong? I want to show you a picture of when I was a youth pastor back in the day, right? <clears throat> like two years ago, okay? And this is me and my buddies. You know, it's so funny. When people meet me, they're like, hey, what's your name? And I tell them, oh, I'm part of this church plant, one church. I don't always tell them I'm the lead pastor just to see, you know, just to see what they'll say. And they're like, oh, you must be the youth pastor. I'm like, no, no, me, my, my wife and I planted it. But the baby face doesn't help. So anyways, this is... Me and my guys back at Trinity, and man, like, I'll never forget my first Sunday being a youth pastor. I love Drew back here throwing up gang signs. I don't know what he's doing back there. And, and I walked in with these group of guys, and I remember pulling the drawer out in the student room at Trinity Church, and there was, like, donut icing in the drawer. And it was just, like, this moment where I was like, God, I'm all in. Like, whatever it looks like. Whatever it looks like to others, like, I am here to reach the next generation because they need to know that someone cares for them, someone loves them, that God has a purpose for their life. And so I said, okay, Lord, this is not what I expected, but I'm all in. And I served as a youth pastor for two to three years. I think we have another picture of all of us. They sent me out with this uh, signed Jordan basketball, and I told them that I was launching one church. And it was a moment where it was bittersweet because I built a relationship with these students. These students had become like family to, to my wife and I. They, they sent us out with this Chick-fil-A box right here. I think it says, you are sent. Another way to say, you are unleashed. And I look at these faces. And y'all, these weren't just students that were coming and saying, oh, like mom and dad had to drag me here. I remember one, one of these guys, I don't know if he's in this picture. Yeah, right here, Silas. Shout out to Silas. I texted him last night. I remember in our youth ministry days, there was this guy that came in for maybe the first or second time, and I was like, always trying to encourage the students, like, let's go reach your neighbors. Let's go spread the gospel through your schools. You know, we were talking HSC and Fishers at that time. And Silas led this young kid to the Lord. He's eighth grade at the time. And told me, Andy, I just shared the good news, the gospel. He gave his life to Christ. You know, it's so cool being it. Trinity is we had more students getting baptized than adults. Like that was so beautiful to just see. Don't look down on these kids because God is raising them up, right? But this is the question that they're all asking as we jump into this new adventure is this, am I a person to you or am I a project to you? Because I think the church has done a really good job of making people feel like projects and not people. We just got to fix them. We just got to make sure that they know that Jesus is king and, and beat them over the head with the Bible. It's like, no, no, we just need to create a relationship with them, create a safe place for them, create a place where they know they belong even before they believe. Look at what 
this story in the gospel, Matthew chapter 19. Then people brought little children to Jesus. Now, I think so many of us, if we're just being honest, gut level, we look at teenagers and we think they're just children. They're just teenagers. They brought them to Jesus and placed his hands on them and prayed for them. And the disciples rebuked them. Jesus said, let the little children come to me. Let the teens come to me. Do not hinder them for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. When he placed his hands on them, he went out from there. This is what I put in my notes. I just want to share with you. Don't look down on what God is raising up. Because this is a generation that's rising up that's hungrier and more bold than I think any generation we've seen in a long time. Because this generation is done with the smoke, the lights, the fakeness about church. They want the real Jesus. They want it. And they're coming. And they're seeking. They're asking. They're knocking. They're in our church today. 1 Timothy 4.12. Don't let anyone look. What? Look down on you. Set an example for the believers in speech and conduct and life and faith and in purity. I don't know if you remember hearing about this. I shared about this a few weeks ago that earlier on this year, there was this thing called the Asbury Revival. And this was amazing because this is actually going from 50 years prior, there was an incredible revival that broke out in Asbury College, this college in Kentucky. Most people would never know or hear about it. I've actually been to that chapel. So amazing what God did. And you ask the question, who was leading the revival? Oh, they must have had... I mean, Chris Tomlin, they must have had Hillsong. It was a a passion conference. No, 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 no. These were teenagers. No-name people you would ever hear about that were so hungry, so fierce to fast and pray and go after Jesus, to be like David, to be a man, a woman after God's own heart. They led the revival. In fact, I heard a story that there were some celebrity pastors and worship leaders that came and asked to lead, and they said no. Why? Don't look down on what God is raising up. Jesus chose teenagers. He chose the fishermen, the tax collectors. Everyone we would say, there's no way they would lead a church, start a church. Can I be honest? That was me. I was the one right down the street that most people, if they probably saw my life at the time, they would say, I don't know, I don't know about that. Look at what 1 Corinthians tells us. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chooses the two-year-old little girls to convict us in our worship. He chooses the eight-year-old kings like King Josiah to lead a nation. He chooses 17-year-old students to lead the world in revival. God chooses the lowly things of this world and the despised things, the things that are not, to nullify the things that are. Why? So that no one would boast before him. You know, I believe, even y'all hearing this announcement today, I believe that you were ready to hear this whether you realize it or not. That there's people in our congregation that would love to be small group leaders for students. That there's people that are saying, oh my gosh, this has been on my heart and I was just about to ask you, Pastor Andy, or someone. This is God's time. I believe this with my whole heart. Matthew 9, 36, look at what it says back in the main text. When he saw, what, what does it say? When he saw, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. They were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And as I was studying this text, one of the commentators, he said this, the word that they use for move with compassion, it's the strongest word for pity in the Greek language. The depth of the Savior's heart as he looks upon the world. 
He doesn't look at them as projects to be fixed. He doesn't look at them as people that need to have butts in seats and attend church. He sees them as sheep who need a shepherd. Do you believe that? This next generation is hungry. But look at what it says, Matthew 9, 36, because they were harassed and helpless. This generation that's coming up is being bombarded by different messages more than any generation ever before because they grow up, they are growing up in this social media age. This is how I put it in my notes. There is a war for their soul. 24 7, 365, different ideologies, different false gospels, different new age meditations and teachings. And we came as a church to say, it's not just going to be through us. God, thank you for student impact. Thank you for the other churches in this city. But let's rise up and say, we know the way. And his name is Jesus. But there is a war for their soul, a war for their attention, a war for their identity. I remember being recently actually at a a place with my wife and we were hanging out. I'm in the waiting room and I've been praying about whether or not to share this story. I shared this at the worship night last week and I'm in the waiting room and my wife comes out and, and as I was sitting there, I felt like the Lord gave me a word for the receptionist. Now, you know, if you've ever gotten a word from the Lord, you feel like that weirdo that like knows something. You're like, I don't know how to say this. Are they going to think I'm crazy? I mean, are they going to think that I'm just one of those woo prophets that has a word? It's like, okay, God, like you just revealed something to me that I know I'm supposed to be obedient to share. I'm sitting in the waiting room. I'm just, I'm, I'm going through, you know, the Bible app. I'm just reading. I'm just praying in the spirit. And I kid you not, I've had one of the clearest visions I've ever had in this moment. And it was of the person who was the receptionist. And I wait for my wife to come out to make sure, you know, it doesn't look weird or awkward or anything. So my wife comes out. But the vision that I had was this young lady this close to taking her life. And I felt like God revealed this to me. And there was a moment that in this vision, I felt like I saw that she was this close to taking her life. And there was a voice that told her not to take her life. And I felt like Christ told me, Andy, you need to share with her that it was me who told her not to take her life. What do you do with that? So I'm sitting there. I'm like, okay, Lord, like, you know, you, your heart starts beating. You think it's the coffee or the meal you ate earlier. Oh, God, I probably had something weird to eat last night. I think I'm just in my, my brain. And it's like, no, 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 this is the Holy Spirit speaking to me. Okay. So my wife comes out, and, and, and I walk to the receptionist with my wife. And, you know, you know, you got the baby, so that always opens the door. Oh, the baby. Oh, my gosh, right? And then. And then I asked, like, is there anything we could be praying for you for? She's a younger girl, maybe, maybe Gen Z, maybe, you know, maybe she dresses Gen Z, talks millennial. Okay, just making sure you're with me. And, and I said, hey, we're on our way. I said, was there ever a time in your life, I know this is going to sound weird, where you were, like, so anxious and depressed, like, you thought, she's like, yeah. I said, was there a time even where you, you felt like taking your own life? She said, yeah said, I felt like the Lord sent me here to this place at this time to just tell you that the voice that told you not to take your life was the voice of Christ. And immediately, she just starts weeping. And my wife and I, we give her a hug. We tell her, Jesus has a plan for her. Why do I share this story? This is what people are asking today. Am I worth fighting for? Am I worth pursuing when the church has devalued me, overlooked me, said, I don't belong here, I can't be here. Am I worth fighting for? Here's the second point that I want to share with you all. Own 
your role. Because we believe they are worth fighting for. Amen? Jesus came. He left the 99 for the one. He did not come for the righteous, but to heal the sick. To be for, there, for those that, that don't have the Savior, the shepherd. I saw a stat as I was researching Gen Z that almost one-fifth of people in Gen Z have struggled with suicidal thoughts. One out of five people. So we got to own our role. What's our role? Are we going to let this generation just slide through the cracks? Are we just going to let them kind of do whatever they want, look down on them and shame them, blame them? Oh, they don't work hard. They can never be this and that and the other. Or look at this, 1 Corinthians 3, 5 through 9. What after all is Apollos? And what after is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord assigned each to his task. I planted what? I planted the seed. Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will be each rewarded according to their own labor. See, this is legacy. This is generational legacy in front of us. This is not just youth group. Okay, we're starting this launching, this new ministry. Let's just recruit more volunteers. These are eternal lives and souls at stake. A war for their soul. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. So let me break this down a little bit further. What's next then? Well, some of us are going to plant some of us are going to water and some of us are going to harvest. Some of us are going to start relationships with these students. Some of us have kids. You're saying, Andy, this is an answer to prayer. Praise God. Maybe it's peers starting relationships and circles. Maybe it's just watering, walking alongside them, harvesting. Maybe it's actually leading them to Christ. I believe we'll see it. I want to show a picture of me, a very serious picture. You ready for this? Uh-oh. I, I was not ready to share this. Darren, let's throw this up. Oh, no. This was picture day. And I see AJ's here today. AJ, I did not plan this. Did not know you were going to be here. I, have I ever shown you guys this picture? Okay. No. Praise God. It'll be the last. But why do I share this? Because I was the one that was in drugs in alcohol, in pornography, going from relationship to relationship, I was the one that should have no position being here if it weren't for the grace of God. Like, I just want to make it personal for you. These are faces and names of, of people that have a calling on their life, and someone just had to take a chance on them. I'm going to shout out Joe Snyder. He uh, was my mentor when I went to Young Life in Westfield. Give it up for Joe. I heard a clap. Okay, come on. Let's give it up for him. The generational legacy that this man has left in this city, we carry on. And I remember going to Young Life, and, uh, you know, I show up, and, and I was just interested in popularity. I was just interested in, like, okay, this seems to be, like, a cool social hangout. I'll just go. And, and Joe pulls me aside, and he was one of the first people to speak into me this way. He said, Andy, I think you have a gift to connect with people. And I was a senior in high school. And I was like, I don't, I don't really know what you mean by that. And he asked me to lead a small group as a senior. And that was around the same time that I got serious about the Lord. And why do I share this? I remember fast forwarding to my time at Trinity as a youth pastor. And my youth pastor and I, 
that I, I collaborated with, his name was Ty, we, we, we talked a lot because I was a college pastor and a youth pastor. So we did middle school Sunday morning, high school Sunday night, and college ministry at Ball State on Tuesdays. That was a wild journey. That was amazing. But I remember having this conversation with him, and we talked about this one night where we baptized. I don't know if Allie and Anna were, were there for this one specifically, but we baptized, I think, like 17 people in one night at Ball State. The kingdom of God on the move. Revival breaking out in the atheist place of Ball State in Jesus' name. Totally unashamed. And, and we had this conversation, and this aha moment hit me, and I'll never look at youth ministry the same. I realized that we were reaping what Ty had sowed as a youth pastor. All the late nights at McDonald's, you think your students aren't listening to you? All the times on a discipleship retreat, y'all, I had a student throw up in my car on the way back from a retreat one time, okay? Like, you're in the weeds, you're in the trenches. And I'm like, I'm all in, Lord, let's keep going. But it's those moments at McDonald's, it's the moments after a discipleship retreat where you realize you thought they weren't listening, but they were. The cool thing at that age is to act like you don't care, but deep down, they really, really care. They really want to know, does someone see me? Does someone care about me? This is the truth. There can be a long gap between planting and harvesting. There are seeds that you all parents have sown into your kids that will be harvested in this youth ministry, I believe it. And you'll be saying, I've been telling you this for years. And the youth pastor comes along and says, and you believe it right away, right? Like, that's just what happens because the voice of a mentor in this stage of life is sometimes even more powerful than parents. In fact, it usually is. It's teachers, it's coaches, it's parents, or it's, it's teachers, coaches, and mentors. So there's a long gap between planting and harvesting sometimes. Some of y'all are so discouraged. You have planted seeds in your kids, and you're asking, how long, oh, Lord? How long until the light bulb goes off? And I believe we will see harvest in Jesus' name as we come alongside these students. So planting, watering, and harvesting. Planting, watering, and harvesting. I want to show another picture of me and, and my group that I uh, spent a lot of time with. This is back when I had hair. And uh, <laughs> these guys, though, Ian, Randy, and Noah, these guys weren't just some average Joe, just, just roll up late to youth ministry. These guys all have calls to ministry on their life. That they're actually all studying at Indiana Westland right now. Man, I love preaching, I love teaching, but there is literally nothing more fulfilling than to see the person that you are discipling take the baton. It's more fulfilling. Because we were created for legacy. We were created for generational lineage of discipleship and fruit where we're not the center of attention. We pass the baton. And all the moments I had with these guys, you know, we played basketball together. We loved jerseys. And there was a time where I remember playing video games with one of my guys that was in this D group. It was our circle. And this is just really funny, just a side note, just to bring you in the humor of this, this time. I remember being in my living room, playing video games with one of my students, and his mom walks in, and she was so mad that we were playing video games. I was like, oh my gosh. She said, oh, you're bad. She literally told me that. I was like, uh-oh, uh-oh, we shouldn't be doing that. We should be hanging out. But why do I share that story? It's because of this. You know what their love language is? It's right here, T-I-M-E. 
It's time. Will we give time for them? Will we make space for them? Will we make room for them? Look at what Psalm 78, 4 through 7 says. We will not hide from their descendants. We will tell what? The next generation. Come on, everybody just say it. The next generation. The next generation will be a priority here at One Church. The praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, the power and the wonders he has done. He has declared statues for Jacob and established his law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach their children. So the what? The next generation. The next generation would know them. Even their children yet to be born, they would turn and tell their children. Verse 7, then they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands. Christine Kane has this quote that's stuck with me for a long time. She said this, the battle is won and lost in the exchange zone. There's a war on these students' souls between good and evil. But the battle is won and lost, not in the programs that we do, not in the social media campaigns that we do, as important as that is, not even as important as putting this up on the website. The battle is won and lost in the exchange zone. And to pass a baton, you have to know that person by name. You have to know their story. We were all created to have Paul and Timothy type relationships and Timothy to Paul relationships. Every single one of us in this room watching online, you were created to do life with a person that's two steps ahead of you and two steps behind you. Who's your Timothy? We got to know their name. Who's your Paul? If you're a student in the room, maybe there's someone already in this room that you look up to. And this is where I want to share another practical step right here. Peers, mentors, and prayer warriors. We had this thing that we did in our youth ministry, and we called it the three. And Matthew Hines, who I was working with at the time, he unveiled this vision from Ecclesiastes where it says, the cord of three strands is not easily broken. And his vision was, what if we had peers, mentors, and prayer warriors for every single student in our congregation? Someone that knew them by name, a mentor. Someone that was praying for them by name. Every day, every week. So here's the third point that I want to share with you all. We'll be done. We must seize the moment. Look at what 1 Corinthians 2.9 says. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. I just want to put a a list of some of the partnerships that we have just in front of you to say, let's just dream together. Let's just dream together to say, God, you have called us to the YMCA. We're moving there in 15 months. And I don't think I've shared this part of the vision of the YMCA, but they are partnering with Westfield High School. Do you all know that? They're going to be offering college classes through this YMCA that students from far and near can come There's already a partnership with the school. We are literally going to one of, if not the largest, youth sports complex on the entire planet. 50,000 people a month will be walking in and through this YMCA. And God has also graciously given us this partnership with the Pacers Athletic Center. And so here's my question for us as a church is, what will we do with these blessings? What will we do? How will we steward these amazing opportunities? I remember being at the YMCA community breakfast recently we can throw up this picture I was there with Shannon Russell now what's crazy about this is Shannon is the executive director of the YMCA I went to high school with her kids how does that happen right it's God's plan 
It's his timing. This is what hit me so deep, though, is this isn't just the launch of a ministry and a building. Okay, cool. We have the opportunity of a lifetime. I'm at this YMCA breakfast, okay? And, and I'm sitting there, and I'm about to get up and speak, and I'm, I'm so excited to share the vision of where one church is moving, what's happening. And just to rewind a little bit, when we were praying about going into the YMCA, I remember God just putting it on my heart, you know, we need to eventually go to Grand Park. There's millions of families coming there every year. We gotta go, we gotta, there's tournaments, there's junior NBA tournaments, there's Nike sponsored tournaments, baseball, volleyball, baseball, uh, football, you name it. And I was like, Lord, I, I really believe at some point you're gonna give us land in this sports complex. And around that time, we were developing a parking plan. I don't know if y'all remember me sharing about this story but we were developing a parking plan to expand this facility. And around that time where I was praying and searching for just the right connection, God, I believe you're gonna take us to Grand Park one day. This is before the partnership with the Y. And all the doors began to shut. Our parking plan got rejected. We couldn't expand the parking here. Like all the doors were shut. And just a few days later, the YMCA reaches out and asks me, do you all want to be the church partner that partners with the YMCA? Why is this story so unique though? I share this because I was driving through Grand Park praying for property and I actually got to meet, we can throw up this picture again of the Y with me and Shannon. At this community breakfast, I got to meet Andy Wheeler himself. Now that name, at first you might be like, who, who is that? This man and his family donated 10 acres on that property and they prayed about it all the way back into the 1980s, 1990s for such a time as this, for this to come full circle. This is what I would call an opportunity of a lifetime. Do y'all believe that? Do you feel the Lord moving and expanding the boundaries and the territory? Would you stand to your feet? Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me to finish his work. Don't you have a saying, it's still four months till harvest. I tell you, open your eyes. Somebody say, open your eyes. Open your eyes, look around you. The fields are ripe for harvest. Even now the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper will be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps is true. Verse 38, and let this just hit your spirit as you take a step back to think about people have been praying for the why to be here in Westfield for decades. This scripture says, I sent you to reap what you have not even worked for. We will reap a harvest. We are a chosen generation to reap what has been prayed for for decades. Land that was donated from generations ago. I, I talked to Andy Wheeler and he said, I think it was his dad or his grandpa. He knew that when they would give this land, they wouldn't even see the fulfillment of this promise. Generational legacy. So here's some stats. I'm talking to Paul Kaiser, the superintendent of Westfield Schools. I said, Paul, how many students do we have in Westfield Schools today? At the intermediate school, 1,500 students, fifth and sixth grade only. Westfield Middle School, 1,500 students, seventh and eighth grade. Westfield High School, it's like a little college over there, 3,000 students. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. We need you. We need y'all to join the team because where God is taking us, 
We cannot see the harvest until we see the workers step out in faith. They say, Lord, here am I, send me. Yeah, it's gonna be awkward, it's gonna be uncomfortable. You're gonna be asking, how did I ever, why did I ever get into this? It will be one of the best decisions that you would ever make. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. Would you bow your heads with me? So Father, right now I believe that for such a time as this, you are bringing prophecies to fulfillment. God, I thank you for the parents, the families, the students that are represented in this room that you have had present here today, those who are watching online. And instead of just closing with me giving a response, I wanna give two different things. And the first one is this, I want us with heads bowed and eyes closed to just give space for the Holy Spirit to put names and faces on your heart right now to intercede for. They don't have to be Westfield students. They could be from Noblesville, Fishers, Brownsburg. They could be young. They could be a, a, a co-leader that you have in your mind. You wanna lead something for the youth. And let's just, just let the Spirit put something on our heart for a moment. seed right now in the name of Jesus for these students, these parents, these families. God, right here in our own congregation, in our own flock right now, Lord, we just pray for the students in Jesus' name, Lord, protect them. God, protect them from lies of the enemy. Protect them from self-hatred. God, protect them from the, the anxiety and the depression that would plague their minds. put a hedge of protection around them. God, I thank you for callings that are happening right now, callings to parents and families and leaders, God. For the second response, if you're feeling in your heart right now that you're just saying, Andy, I know the Lord is calling me to be a part of this as we launch One Youth. I just, I feel it in my spirit. Between you and the Lord, I'm not even gonna look around. Just raise your hand right now. If that's you, you're just saying, Andy, I know I'm supposed to be a part of this for whatever reason. God, I thank you for the laborers, the workers that you are raising up, Lord. God, we pray for one youth. As we unveil the vision, the plans to come, Lord, we thank you that you are bringing together the right people for such a time as this. God, give us a spirit of boldness. Give us a spirit of wisdom. Give us the heart of compassion to break our heart for what breaks yours. God, we pray for, for Stacy or for, um, for Lisa Denniston, who's the principal at Westfield High School. Lord, we pray for Jake Gilbert. God, we pray for the students, the faculty at Westfield Intermediate, Westfield Middle School, Westfield High School, and beyond, Lord. We pray for the teachers in our region. And your hearts just intercede with me. God, raise up a generation that would turn this city upside down for the name of Jesus and all God's people said, Amen and amen. I want to put up this graphic one more time, October 8th, for our YMCA gathering, the launch team gathering, if we could throw that up. This is your next step. If you want to be a part of this, 
If you're saying, Andy, I'm not even on the dream team yet. I'm supposed to be a part of this. Whether it's as we go into the why or being a part of One Youth, Sunday, October 8th at 4 p.m. Yes, the Colts game will be ending right around there. You can sacrifice that, all right? I believe that. I trust y'all. You can do that. But would you lift a shout of praise for what God's doing? He's on the move. Amen. Let's celebrate. There's lives that are going to be transformed, generations that will be changed. In Jesus' name, come on, let's worship together.